0: And welcome to episode 38 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And this week we're going to tell you a true crime and paranormal from my birth state, Utah. Okay, Beth, you have got the paranormal and you have got the drink.
1: I picked a beer for Utah. It's been a while since we've had a beer.
0: You know, it has.
1: And I found this great one at my local liquor store, and I'm totally going to guess on the brewing company. I believe it's Uinta, U-I-N-T-A, Brewing Company. It is out of Salt Lake City, Utah. New oh, yeah. And the beer I chose is another IPA because that's my favorite. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> uh, it's called Clear Haze and it has this really pretty picture of a purple mountain and I really liked it because on the back it has like a little graph that shows you how many, how much hops is in there, how malty it is, like how much body is in the beer and the color of the beer. So it's pretty hoppy. It's oh on boy. the very high end of hops. Uh, it's a low malt, not a lot of body, and a light in color.
0: Interesting. Okay. I- at, on the can, right around the rim of the can is a compass.
1: I know. It's <laughs> so <pretty> cool. cool. <laughs> no, it's a pretty mountain on the can. Yeah. Okay. Pouring it into a glass because mom does not drink out of cans. Nope.
0: All right. Cheers, mama. Cheers. It's refreshing because it's light, but it is hoppy.
1: Yes. It is very hoppy, but it is, oh my gosh. So I will I have to be honest with you. We had people over to watch the Chiefs game. Uh And I always like to keep, you know, a few cases in the fridge for when we have people over, I usually have a case of like, like local beers, like Casey Dunkel, or even just a case of Michelob Ultra. And I didn't feel like any of those. So I saw the podcast beer sitting there in the back of the fridge that I had told everybody don't touch that that's for the podcast <laughs> but I reached back there and I grabbed one uh, I ended up having a few so you ended
0: up having to go to the store again actually yes <laughs> <laughs> alright you like this beer it
1: is so light it is hoppy
0: it smells very um summery I would have to say really
1: you think so yeah
0: I catch a hint <laughs> I'm a wine drinker, so but I, I catch a hint of peach, or um, yeah, I think it's peach. It could be grapefruit, well, it's but definitely
1: you don't, not a flavored beer.
0: I, I, that's what I'm getting out of it. I, it's probably because of the hops.
1: Yeah, it's not a flavored beer. There's no grapefruit that's uh that's on the can at least, but it's super light, very hoppy, but super light. I really like this beer. Clearly, because this is Maya
0: second case of it all right well I'll, I'll let you drink it <laughs> 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 kind of like whiskey's not your thing this this hoppy all right IPA. this will be the
1: last IPA that I bring to no, the podcast
0: no uh, I, I love trying them I
1: know you do but I will bring I'm not saying my last beer but my last IPA
0: so we're gonna dive right in here and I'm going to tell you a story about Martin McNeil Ring any bells? <laughs> You're looking at me with a Not glazed ringing any look. bells, Mama. <laughs> and nothing going upstairs here. <laughs> okay. So in researching this case, I discovered actually a beautiful woman that I wish I had personally gotten to know. Michelle Summers was born in 1957, so she would have been a little older than me. The daughter of Milton and Helene Summers. She grew up in Concord, California and from all accounts was very active and talented. She played violin. She was an actress, a cheerleader, and homecoming queen. Oh. And along with that, she was also a very good student and active in her church, which was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She graduated in 1975 and then did some modeling, and in 1976 was crowned Miss Concord. Oh, my goodness. Very, very pretty. In late 1977, Michelle went to an LDS, Latter-day Saints, Mm -hmm. youth activity evening. There she met a handsome, young medical student, a man only a year older than she was, Martin McNeil, and Michelle seemed to have a lot in common with him. And from the start, Michelle felt very comfortable with Martin, so much so that in February of 1978... So just a few like a few months after they met, sure. The couple eloped. Oh my goodness. And started a family right away. In fact, five years later, the couple had four children.
1: Holy
0: cow. Rachel, Vanessa, Alexis, and Damien. By this time Martin had graduated medical school and a year later he was licensed as an osteopathic surgeon in California. And, by the way, he had decided to go to law school. Oh, my gosh. He graduated from BYU Law School in 1990. And I'm not sure he did anything with that degree. I didn't catch anything in so my research. So, what is
1: she doing during this time?
0: She's raising the family.
1: Okay. Yeah, she's busy with that. Four little ones under five. Ay, yeah. ay, 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 aye, aye.
0: In 2000, Martin was appointed medical director of the Utah State Developmental Center. By 2007, the family lived in Pleasant Grove, Utah, in a beautiful, gated community. The family had also increased in size. Michelle and Martin had adopted four girls from the Ukraine. Oh my gosh. Giselle, Sabrina, Ella, and Ada. Oh. Sounds almost too good to be true. Right. Martin is a successful doctor. Michelle is a homemaker, very active in the community and at her church. Alexis is following her dad's footsteps and going to medical school. And Damien is also following his dad's footsteps by going to BYU law school. Jeez. The four adopted girls are loved, especially by Michelle, who is the epitome of being loving and compassionate. People just had wonderful things to say about her. And she just, in pictures, she just looks so happy and so, I mean, she just glowed.
1: No, you know, just a good soul. You can just tell.
0: I mean, she she was very beautiful, but in a very natural way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she to me, she just she just glowed. Pictures of Michelle and Martin depict a very happy couple who seem to be very much in love. I know there should be some like m- mood music playing here. Yeah. In the background. Yes, I'm just seeing like this. Pictures and yeah. stuff floating. All back. I'm seeing is
1: like this montage of like all these pretty pictures and happy yeah. smiles. Pictures of and the family. And the kids and they're growing up in this and beautiful music. home.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. the music changes. <laughs> Hopefully
1: not that. I don't know what that
0: was. You'll find out. We all know that things are not always as they appear on the outside. Mm-mm. According to reports made by Rochelle and Alexis in a 2020 episode titled The Perfect Nanny on ABC News, their father started changing when he turned 50. He became obsessive about his appearance, going to the gym every day, losing weight and tanning. Oh, He was also working late. Several days a week, and I said that with quotes around working late. Yeah, they can't see you. I'm telling you, <laughs> Michelle. It's like a
1: midnight, a midnight crisis, a midlife crisis. A midnight,
0: <laughs> midnight <laughs> crisis. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Michelle was certain he was having an affair, not the first one in their marriage. Oh no! And accused him of it. In response he told her that hey it'd be a good idea for her to look younger too. Now remember oh my I described gosh, her
1: what an ass.
0: She was beautiful. She was beautiful. Well, she
1: was crowned miss so and so like she had
0: to And that was been. when she was young but even as she got older she was beautiful. Oh. No wrinkles. I mean she was really very but very I'm pretty. sorry
1: regardless how dare he tell her that.
0: Yeah. She had to look younger, too. And to do that, he pushed her into having a total facelift. <sighs> now, Michelle admitted to her daughter, Alexis, that she did not want to have the operation. And in all the pictures, you can see that this beautiful woman just didn't even need it. I mean, she, she hardly had any wrinkles. And like, I, don't, I, I can't say enough how pretty she was. But Martin was very persistent.
1: And emotionally abusive.
0: You know, she she wanted to keep the marriage. You know, she wanted to do whatever she could to keep the marriage. Keep the peace
1: in the family, I'm sure.
0: Oh, Martin had already chosen the plastic surgeon because he had, quote, wanted it done right. So on April 3rd, 2007, Michelle received the facelift. Before leaving the facility, Martin had spoken to the surgeon and had requested the surgeon to prescribe some heavy-duty central nerve system depressants because, quote, Michelle does not deal well with pain. The surgeon disagreed with Martin but ended up deferring to him because, well, he's a very respected doctor in the community. (sighs) Michelle ends up going home with Percocet, Lortab, Valium, Ambien, and... I know I'm going to mispronounce this. Phenergan? Mm. They're all heavy duty. Yeah. Pills. The next day, Alexis, who is home on break from medical school, finds her mother unresponsive because she's so heavily sedated. Jeez. She confronted her father, who just matter-of-factly says that he probably gave Michelle too many painkillers, which caused her to throw up, so he just gave her some more. What? He's a doctor, right? Mm -hmm.
1: So this is just like out of norm for him, though, right? Like he's just slowly morphed into this person or has he always been this much of an
0: ass? Um, Or do we know? We'll see. Alexis told her father that she would take over giving her mother the pain medication. Good. Now remember, Michelle has had a facelift, so her eyes have patches over them. She can't see what medication she's receiving. So she has Alexis put each pill in her hand so she can feel the difference in the pills. Okay. Just in case Martin tries to give her more pills on top of what Alexis is giving her.
1: Okay. So Alexis is kind of working behind her dad's back here. Well, no, to she
0: said, dad, I'm taking this over. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. By the time Alexis has to head back to medical school, which was about a week after the operation, Michelle is actually doing well. But before her daughter leaves, Michelle tells her some ominous words. And this is a quote. If something happens to me, make sure it wasn't your father. (gasps) Alexis admits on the 2020 episode.
1: I wouldn't have left.
0: Well, she admits on the 2020 episode that she kind of blew off her mother's words. And she headed back to school, confident that her mother was fine.
1: Oh no! This is a father
0: that she adored. Sure. A father guess. that has always been there. A, a father who was a doctor. Her mother. But she
1: already had to step in to for the, for the painkillers.
0: Well, and she did, and her mother was fine. <sighs> okay, her mother's back up on her feet, and she's doing her own thing. The next day, April eleventh. The next day. Martin picks up six-year-old Ada from school. When they get home, he stays in the kitchen and sends her to look for Michelle. The little girl found her mother's lifeless body (gasps) in the bathtub.
1: She's six? Oh my God! Martin frantically
0: calls 911 after sending Ada next door to get the neighbor to help him get Michelle out of the tub. Again, on the 2020 episode, you can hear his conversation with the dispatcher. He's frantic, but also and this is personally what I got was arrogant hmm. so much so that while the dispatcher is trying to get information from him, he hangs up on her. What? She calls back. He yells that he's a physician. So he knows how to do CPR and proceeds to hang up on her again. Well- was she telling him to do CPR? Well, she was a dispatcher, so she needed all the information. Is your is she breathing? Is she okay. She's asking him, you know, that's her job. She's asking him all these questions and so he just to me, he did sound frantic, but he just also sounded full of himself. Like I'm calling you because I know I have to call you, oh, but I don't okay. really have to call you. Ooh. Before the EMS arrives, the neighbor that Ada had gotten to get to help mm-hmm. Um, has come. He stated on the episode that he thought Martin was behaving a little odd. He would be doing CPR very calmly then stop and frantically wave his arms and scream why? Why? Then go back to calmly doing CPR. Okay, that's a little weird but every, we don't, everybody, everybody everyone reacts, reacts to, to emergencies differently. Yeah, that's what I was just going to so say. We don't
1: know what we would do in that situation. This was
0: Martin's reaction, Okay. After Michelle was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead, Martin called his daughter Alexis to tell her her mother was dead. Yep, pretty much just like that. Your mother is dead. Oh, my God. Alexis immediately headed home. After looking around, she asked her father where her mother's medicine was. She wanted to count the pills to see how many were left in the containers. Hmm. Because remember, she had just left the day before. Oh, yeah. Her father answers that he had someone flush them down the toilet. They made him too sad to look at. What? That doesn't even make any sense. Alexis and her sister, Rochelle, questioned their mother's death, even though the coroner had ruled it natural causes. Saying, doesn't, that doesn't even make any sense. Saying that the 50-year-old had died of a heart attack. Remembering her mother's suspicion Whoa. of her father having an affair, she went through his phone records and found a number her father had called often, not just recently, but going back about one and a half years.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: The person on the other end was Gypsy Jillian Willis. The children are not given much time to even process their mother's death when Martin tells them that her funeral will be in three days. Forget about Michelle's family making arrangements to come to Utah. According to Michelle's sister Linda Cliff on 2020 they were told by Martin not to even come
1: w- why why
0: they never really cared for Martin it struck them as someone that, had something off. There was something off about him and he was very arrogant. They They're never really clearly liked very him. very right. So, and I think Martin was a bit controlling his wife. My read, I don't know, but maybe he kind of separated Michelle from her family slowly, mm-hmm. but surely. So he was like, yeah, you don't even have to come to this.
1: Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine.
0: So obviously there were no loving feelings between them and Martin. And sitting among friends and immediate family at the funeral Was a woman the children did not know. No. She came through the condolence line and Martin, who was standing next to Alexis, asked the woman's name. Gypsy Willis, says the woman. Both her father and Gypsy act as if they just never met. met. (gasps) A few days later, Martin tells Alexis and Rochelle that he wants to hire a nanny for the younger children. And he will conduct interviews. Funny. Only one person applied, Gypsy Willis, oh My gosh. who got the job to take care of the girls, a job she really wasn't qualified for.
1: Oh, no.
0: Rochelle noted that Gypsy did not clean, she didn't cook, and rarely even paid attention to the girls. When confronted about this, Martin kicked both Alexis and Rachel out of the house because they weren't nice to Gypsy. Wow. Well,
1: how old were they?
0: Well, Alexis was going to medical she was in school. Medical school, yeah. And Rochelle was older than her. Okay. But yikes but in Oh my god. The twenty twenty episode, the both girls were talking about it and they said we didn't even have our shoes on. He literally what? at that moment kicked them out of the house. They couldn't even get their shoes. Oh my gosh. Oh, this gets worse. No. Gypsy took Martin to Wyoming to meet her family. While there, and this was three months after Michelle's death, by the way, Mm. he proposed to Gypsy with her family present. He's disgusting. When asked in an interview on the 2020 episode, I keep going back to that, but it was amazing. The (laughs) episode was great (laughs) concerning this um, case. Case. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) My mind just went (laughs) (laughs) Someone asked in an interview on the 2020 episode, was Gypsy surprised at the proposal? She answered that, no, she wasn't. Michelle was gone. It was a natural progression. <laughs> that sounds really cold. But <laughs> oh when the gosh. family was interviewed, some light was shed as to who Gypsy really is. According to her sister, Julie Willis, this is her sister, quote, Gypsy will get what she wants no matter what. In a bad way, they were perfect for each other. They had a picture of her mother. I guess she got into a spat with Gypsy about something when Gypsy, a few years ago, before Gypsy this, and her sister? Gypsy and the mother. Gypsy and Gypsy's mother. Okay. Got into a little spat. She bit her mother on the what? arm. On the upper arm. She As an adult? She bit her. Yes. As an <laughs> adult. She bit her. And there was a picture of it. And what? this was... Like, you could see the teeth marks. She really bit WTF. Her. That? It was. <laughs> what? I mean, Nolan's little bites are nothing compared to Oh, my God. My this. two-year-old
1: is a biter. It is terrible. If you guys have any advice, I'm willing to take anything. Yikes. As an adult, though. Yeah. Yeah. Her mother? Her mother. This woman is crazy. So why would she want him, though, just because he's a wealthy doctor, but he comes with baggage of eight kids and...
0: Oh, but does he? So the sister, going back to the sister, she described Gypsy as being deceptive, malevol- male- malevolent. There's another word I don't like. <laughs> mal- well, that's mal- a bad word. <laughs> malevolent. Malevolent. Malicious and calculating. Oh, so she loves her sister this very much. This is her sister. Mm-hmm. I just... When Martin and Gypsy returned from Wyoming, Martin decides that "Mm, it's a good idea for his daughter, Giselle, to visit her biological sister in the Ukraine for the summer. So off she flew using her Ukrainian passport. The summer extended into almost a year. Oh, no. The conditions of life. Now, you know, she's been living in a gated community. Sure. You know, ever since she was a little girl. Since she was little. Beautiful little girl, by the way, but... Anyway, now she has been living with her sister in the Ukraine. The conditions were unspeakable. There was one bed in this little teeny tiny apartment, I guess. One bed. So the sister, her husband, I believe two of their children and Giselle slept in this one bed. What? Then there was this... Corner, sort of like um an indent, and you know it it it's like an alcove, I guess, but a very small one. And there was this black bucket thing on the floor. Mm -hmm. And when asked what was that bucket, she said, "Oh, that's the shower. We stand in it and you splash yourself with water from that little bucket." Oh my
1: God, that poor baby! So
0: that was just you know, and she's a she's a teenager at this point. What Um, a
1: change and just what an eye-opening experience. I just
0: can't even... Yeah. When they arrived in the U.S., it was discovered that there were two Giselle McNeils in the U.S. Yep. What? Martin and Gypsy had stolen her identity, created false IDs, including social securities, going into the court, changing the birth date 20 years, and opening bank accounts under the false name. I guess that Gypsy had accrued a bunch of debt. So she owed a lot of money. So she just got rid of her name and took the name of Giselle. In some places, they said that she was Martin's wife. And in other places, they said that she was his daughter. Oh, what is wrong with him? And in, when she is being questioned in 2020, she goes... Yeah, it was all him. I mean, he manipulated all of this. And I just went along and they said, how can you just go along on something like this? I mean, she goes, he's just he just knows how to talk you into things. I just went along with it.
1: Well, she's a dingbat, too.
0: But she wasn't. She was very articulate. I mean, very smart. But she so no, she didn't just go along with it. No, <laughs> she knew what she was doing. In January of 2009, both Martin and Gypsy were indicted on four counts of identity theft. Gypsy received a two-year sentence and Martin a four-year sentence. Now, ever since Michelle's death, Alexis, Rochelle, and Linda, Michelle's sister, have been fighting to reopen her death, telling anyone that would listen that Michelle had been murdered, pleading that the case be reopened. No one listened until they Mm. found Veteran Utah County Attorney's Office Investigator. (laughs) That's a long title. (laughs) He not only looked into what the women reported to him, but also looked into Martin's past. Good. And what a past it was. The McNeil children would find out their entire life was built on lies. Martin joined the military at age 17 in 1973. Two years later, he claims to be hearing voices, and he's diagnosed with schizophrenia. (laughs) He gets honorable discharge from the military and receives VA and Social Security benefits up to three thousand dollars a month. Holy cow! Years, even when he was a doctor. Holy cow! That's a lot of money. A hundred thousand dollars. In 1977, he was arrested for writing phony checks, buying furniture for his home jewelry 60 pairs of socks (laughs) (laughs) why so many socks and 24 pairs of shoes that is
1: so random oh
0: and a year's supply of chocolate covered cherries (laughs) okay well that i understand
1: that's a necessity in life
0: (laughs) he spent six months in jail for forgery theft and fraud and was put on felony probation for three years. Whitney then discovered that Martin lied on applications to get into med school. Oh, no. And later to BYU law school while he was on felony probation. Whitney is quoted saying in an interview with ABC News, quote, The guy is brilliant. I'm not saying he's not smart. He just lies. Jeff Robinson, chief of the Bureau of Investigations for the Utah County Attorney's Office, joined Whitney <laughs> to take a look at Martin and Gypsy. They met in a chat room. Martin and Gypsy met in the chat room, not the guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, oh, okay, i They met, <laughs> they I'm met in a why, chat room,
0: and it wasn't long before he paid for an apartment for her to live in. Now, remember, this is one and a half years before Michelle died so hold on did Michelle know about all of this she was getting remember she accused him of having an affair
1: sure but so
0: she was thinking that he was So did
1: all of this stuff happen like the fraudulent checks and all that before he met Michelle yeah or did that happen?
0: before he met Michelle okay yeah she was, he such was a driven med, person she was, was a really med student
1: heading on like a, she was heading on a good path herself like mm-hmm. he really conned her
0: remember he was a med student when mm-hmm. she met him so yeah he he lied to her, too. Hmm. The two investigators are sure they are on the right track. Martin killed his wife. But reopening the case is not an easy task. There was no evidence collected at the scene. Not at all. Because the police thought that this was a natural
1: death. Sure, but that doesn't... Ugh, okay. So to start,
0: they asked the toxologist to look at the original toxology report. And what did they find? Only that Michelle had oxycodone, Valium, Lortab, and Ambien in her system when she died. Shoot. The Utah Medical Examiner's Office revised the manner of death from natural to undetermined. On August 24, 2012, Martin was charged with the murder of Michelle. His trial began on October 17, 2013, and on November 9, Martin was found guilty of murder and obstruction of justice. Good. That's 15 years to life. And then an additional 1 to 15 years for the obstruction. On top of that, Martin was charged. Oh, and this just gives me the heebie-jeebies. On top of that, Martin was charged with forcible sexual abuse in July 2014. Who did he abuse? Oh, no. None other than his daughter, Alexis. No. So she was laying in bed I believe in her parents' bedroom. Just feel close to her mother. Mm -hmm. And she was...
1: Like after her mom's...
0: After her mother passed. passed. Yeah. And her father came and laid beside her and started rubbing up against her and stuff. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, oh, uh, I I thought you were your mother. What a sick... Regardless of the outcome... I think I'll be able to sleep a little better tonight knowing that I've done something in my power to protect my family, protect my little sisters and others from my father, who is a murderer and a sexual predator. Alexis is quoted as saying to Desert News reporter. So on another sad note, this family has been through hell. On January 16th, 2010, their brother Damien committed suicide. By overdosing on prescription drugs. Oh. He was attending law school. Suicide Shoot. might run in the family as Martin attempted suicide a few times. Once after his arrest, while in prison, he tried to cut his wrist with a disposable razor. <laughs> I don't even know how he could do that. I, <sighs> he did finally, on April 9th, succeed. At age 60, Martin was found near a greenhouse at the prison. He had used a gas line intended for a heater inside the greenhouse and a hose to kill himself. Bummer. He made sure there were no cameras in the area. He wanted his attempt to succeed, and it did. Now I Shucks. I had, you know, you you said what did Gypsy see in him? He had all these kids and blah blah blah. Well, the girls were older, so they weren't in the house anymore. Sure. The younger kids, well, they wanted to get rid of one by sending him to the Ukraine. Sick. And the others, they tried to adopt out. What? They tried to put them in other homes. Did
1: Alexis and, like, the older siblings try to step in in that? Like, I guess it's out of their control, I understand, but holy cow.
0: I think it was Rochelle that said, I'll I'll just take the girls. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: I know. I know I called you and I was just like, Beth, I can't stand this man.
1: Oh, no, you use the word hate and you rarely use the word hate. <laughs> I cannot stand
0: him. I just
1: no. what a horrible human being. Just... So
0: I don't Ugh. I don't know how he was. I never saw anything. The girls I mean, the girls loved him. He was a good dad. You know, they they didn't report any kind of abuse mm-hmm. or anything. It, and I don't know how he treated I mean he did have a, an affair earlier in their marriage Michelle found out about that and he put an end to it but then you know along came Gypsy
1: I don't know it just
0: ugh but he, it, it was like he turned 50 and like this other person but you can't say that because in his youth he was quite a swindler also
1: you know what it sounds like he had a midnight crisis <laughs>
0: Whatever the hell that is. Yeah. Martin McNeil. There you go. Martin McNeil. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Okay.
1: On to the paranormal, mom. How are you doing on that beer? Good. Let me take a drink real fast. Okay. 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 Yuck. Yucky guy. (sighs) All right, mom. This week, I'm going to copy you and cover two places. (laughs) Okay. But unlike your DC episode... I don't know if we're going to laugh quite that hard. Oh boy, that was fun. (laughs) I tried. I tried. I don't know (laughs) if I can beat it though. That was just really good. (laughs) But the two places I am covering do tie together. Okay. So let's take a drive, shall we? We're going to take a drive down a haunted road. Big Cottonwood Canyon Road. The road is 15 miles long. The road begins at the mouth of the canyon just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. It runs east into the canyon and ends at like this large loop. The area was carved by glaciers and the canyon is made of this beautiful white granite. Oh, there is a beautiful creek, big Cottonwood Creek that runs along big Cottonwood Road. Imagine that. (laughs) This creek is... Were there cottonwoods there? (laughs) So there's a big Cottonwood (laughs) Canyon and a little Cottonwood Canyon so I just imagine the cottonwood trees are bigger on this road than the other canyon. I don't know. Anyway, this creek is the source of most of the city's drinking water. Okay. The road is known to locals for all of its outdoor activities. There are a lot of hiking trails, cycling trails, rock climbing, skiing,
0: and snowshoeing. I actually went there when I was oh, young.
1: She's over there nodding and her head. Like, and I yes, was like, what? yes. yes. <laughs>
0: My father took us there sledding. Really? Uh-huh. And then in the summer, we went up on a hike and had a picnic. Oh, my God. Because it's right outside of Salt Lake. Oh, it's right outside. And my dad grew up in Salt Lake, so he knew the area very well.
1: Oh, that's crazy. Well, maybe you'll know some of the places I talk about then. I doubted I was little. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe you won't know then. The loop at the end of the road is in Brighton Ski Resort where there is well skiing (laughs) this is so exciting i've been there lodging and lots and lots of trailheads so let's start at the loop and drive the 15 miles back into salt lake city now back in the day this road was a railway the railway would haul granite downtown to salt lake to build the state capitol building courthouses many old buildings But most of all, it was used to build the temple, the Salt Lake Mormon Temple, Mm
0: -hmm. which is beautiful, by the way.
1: Yes. The canyon gets fairly steep, so the locomotives would only go so far. The rest of the work was hauled by mules. Sorry, but I just found this history to be super interesting. Do you know how they would get the granite? So the granite in the canyon is like a huge mountain of granite, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know how they would get it? Mm -mm. Okay, so I found this super interesting. So these huge boulders of granite, and they would use hand drills and drill holes into the boulder. Mm -hmm. Then they would fill the holes with water. Then they'd drive plugs into the holes, and they'd wait for the winter months. The water would would freeze, freeze. and then they could bust the boulder apart into pieces. Isn't that crazy?
0: Oh, that's so so cool. Along
1: some of the trails, you'll actually see still holes in the Granite Canyon walls.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Then you learned something See, on this podcast. I
0: didn't know that. <laughs> Take a drink.
1: <laughs> the larger pieces were brought down for those big buildings. Mm-hmm. Like the Salt Lake Mormon Temple. But the random bits and pieces were still used. They were used for farmhouses out there in the mountains. The abandoned 19th century power plant that is left out there still today on the hiking trails which by the way i'm not covering because i didn't find that it was haunted anywhere but it's super spooky i watched a lot of people like walking the trails and coming across the abandoned powerhouse Mm -hmm. and it's just it still has its generators and stuff in there but it's just abandoned so it's Mm -hmm. just kind of spooky and some other left over bits and pieces were used to construct the old paper mill at the mouth of big cottonwood canyon just outside salt lake we're going to start our adventure on the big cottonwood canyon roads loop but we're going to head to the old mill okay so this road is very narrow and people are driving out here at all hours of the day and night like i said there are many outdoor activities just off the road. The shoulder off the road in some areas is made a little wider because people will just pull over and park on the road to catch a trailhead or to head out and mountain climb or rock climb. Uh The area is absolutely gorgeous from the videos and photos I've seen and you've seen it firsthand. I can only imagine how beautiful it is with the trees changing this time of year. Uh But at night, the road has a bit of an eerie feel to it. A strange mist covers the road at night out of nowhere, and makes people feel very uncomfortable. The road, like I said, is steep, windy, and narrow in some areas, which unfortunately has led to many car accidents. Mm. Other deaths have occurred off the road with hikers and mountain climbers. There was a video I watched on YouTube with some guys out on the hiking trail just off the road, and there are parts in the hike where the trail is literally just on the edge of a mountain, Ew. and like super super tiny where I feel like I'd be face planted against the side oh my
0: gosh. of no, the mountain we didn't to walk go. across it we didn't go on those
1: <laughs> and unfortunately inexperienced hikers such as myself would have fallen to their
0: deaths in oh, the canyon oh can you mention the vertigo looking down oh low. no I have terrible vertigo mm-hmm. at
1: concerts or any kind of staircases I have vertigo you are your
0: mother's daughter <laughs> <laughs>
1: But even experienced hikers, can you imagine being out there and then falling with a broken ankle and then just tumbling down the mountain cliff? Just
0: Mm
1: -hmm. awful. Brave souls, you hikers. In the spring, the snow runoff fills the big Cottonwood Creek. The water fills very high and the water moves very Very quickly with lots of very dangerous rapids. Unfortunately, over the years, many people have lost their lives in the creek. That being said, one of the most known ghost stories of the area is a woman seen at night on the edge of Big Cottonwood Canyon Road, soaking wet and looking distressed. Many have pulled over to help the scared woman, and when they do, they find that the drenched woman has vanished. The drivers then start looking for her because she was terrified. Mm-hmm. She was scared, and they are left with nothing but just an incredibly eerie vibe of dread.
0: So they're actually seeing. This isn't just a miss. They're actually a seeing woman, a, a woman. A woman standing there, just
1: terrified on the side of the road.
0: Uh-huh. So they pull over
1: to try to help her, and then she's just gone. Uh. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. While hiking near the road, you may come across a guy hitchhiking near the mouth of the canyon again people pull over to help him and again or not help him but pull a over ride. to give him a ride and again just like the wet woman he vanishes but it's not just an eerie feeling that people are left with when he vanishes when they get out to search for him they hear sounds what sounds like his climbing equipment clanking together on Ooh. his belt as he's walking away but he's nowhere to be seen They just hear this clanking noise. There is another hitchhiker's ghost that is seen a lot in the area. This guy has his dog with him. And this ghost and his dog will actually get in your back seat when you pull (laughs) over to pick him up. But as you reach the bottom of the canyon, you'll look back in your rear view mirror and they will be gone.
0: Okay, that's even more terrifying can you
1: imagine hey yeah come on you, and your you can dog? ride yeah, in the come back. On in. come yeah. on that's fine and then you reach in the canyon and then your car s- backseat is empty there are many reports on the road of ghostly apparitions and even ghouls seen on the side of the road at night and at dusk
0: uh-huh.
1: like i mentioned at the mouth of the canyon on the outskirts of salt lake city is the old cottonwood paper mill They started construction of the mill in 1881 and had it finished in 1883. This little mill worked hard to produce paper for the area so they didn't have to pay the bigger cities on the east or the west coast for their paper. I read that the mill actually created five tons of paper in a 24-hour period.
0: Holy smokes.
1: Ten years after being open on April 1st, the mill caught fire. Hmm. People actually thought the alarms were April Fool's joke, apparently. Oh, no. And it was a total loss. The building was just left to its skeletal stone structure, which was those bits and pieces of the leftover granite I mentioned before. Oh. The building sat abandoned for about 34 years, but was given some life in 1927, becoming the Old Mill Club. In the 40s, it became an open-air dance club. And then in the 70s, it was a discotheque. <laughs> Later in the 70s, they used the building as a haunted house. And then in the 80s, it was a craft boutique. <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> but then again, it closed. And to this day, sits abandoned and seriously locked up tight. Really? The city named it Condemned in 2005.
0: Is it's it just one, one story? It's huge. Oh no. it is. So oh.
1: it's very large area. So I couldn't quite tell from the pictures or it looks like it was an extended building and you can tell the one that originally caught fire because it literally is just stone walls with no roof, but you could tell it used to be a structure. And then there is an actual building still there that'll I'll talk about, but okay. there is a still standing building, windows, walls, ceiling
0: that's roof. attached to where yes. it, it burned. So,
1: but this whole area is just surrounded, locked up tight. I will say for the fact that it is the spooky ookie season, but Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers was filmed here at the old mill. Oh, really? I guess the shots and the the interior shots of the big ceremony scene in the movie were shot there
0: interesting
1: so maybe the fact that it's locked up and the owners are not messing around with arresting people who enter Mm. but the fact that it's a large building that's like untouchable maybe that adds to the mystique of it all sure or the fact that there have been deaths there now please note these are stories i read in many different articles They were all slightly different in every article. Okay. So don't take my word as 100% fact in this, but there's some spook factor in these tales. Some of the deaths that occurred were three men and a dog died in the fire or a fire there at the mill at some point. To this day, a dog barking or even howling is heard coming from the building. Now, when I say the building is locked up tight, I mean seriously locked up tight like barbed wire fences like <laughs> oh around the perimeter and then another fence and then everything is boarded up like they're not messing around so who owns this now i mean who is
0: doing this locking up
1: it's a, it's privately owned but it was named condemned in 2005 but it's privately
0: owned okay
1: there was a shooting there in 1933 when the night watchman caught an 18-year-old breaking in told him to wait while the police came The boy tried to run and the watchman shot him. Mm. A couple of squatters died in another fire at one time. Another terrible story was in the 70s. The watchman committed suicide in the building in front of his wife. Oh, and of course, as the building sat abandoned, there were a lot of satanic rituals done in the building Mm. as well. So like I said, the building is locked up tight. I keep saying that. But that doesn't mean that people outside the locked enclosure don't see things from the outside. Apparitions are seen in the windows day and night. An old woman is said to be seen from a high window. Like I said, a dog is heard barking or howling. And my favorite is when lights are seen in the building, like rooms are absolutely lit up. What? But the building has no electricity running to it anymore. Like I said, what? Exactly. So on YouTube, I found one video of a group that broke into the building and captured it all on camera. Oh. The best part of this is the group was a group of kids. Seriously, <laughs> like 12 and 14 year olds. Oh my God. I felt like I was watching an early Stranger Things episode. <laughs> I scold them for literally breaking the law and going into a dilapidated building. It's dangerous. They could have been badly hurt. Yeah. But I also give them a virtual high five because it was cool to see in there. (laughs) There's literally not another video out there inside the building. So it was pretty cool. They have some guts. Let me say it's crazy. So it's a kid who's filming. He says in the video he's 14 his little brother is with him. He had to have been maybe 12. <laughs> oh, and his friend, who was that one teenage boy we all know, like a super brave and he's always making jokes and and his voice gets really high and cracks a lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Aww. laughs> the place is pretty rough looking. You have leftover things from the haunted house, graffiti from the years old equipment and some pretty disgusting bathrooms Mm. which being young teenage boys they like to really show that (laughs) (laughs) there are a lot of rats and tons of pigeons pigeon poop is what creaky voice boy said a lot (laughs) and tons of staircases and loose floorboards that i'm like Holding my breath as I climbed every please don't stair. Fall. Please
0: don't fall. Please don't fall.
1: <laughs> my mom heart was just bursting like, oh my gosh. But you can tell But please watching. go up there because I want to see what's up there. <laughs> <laughs> they do capture some pretty spooky things while they're in there. And they're in there during the day. Okay, I was going to ask. They capture what sounds like a dog whimpering. Oh. Now, I couldn't tell if it was a pigeon But there were, because there's a lot of pigeon poop, (laughs) but, (laughs) but it did for, there was like this long, it sounded like a dog and even the kids stopped and they're like, is is there a dog in here? Mm. So that was weird. The camera starts to get fuzzy and go in and out when they enter one room in particular. And the little brother even stops a few times on the staircases and in rooms and states he all of a sudden feels cold. Oh. And the other boys come check it out. And sure enough, it's a it's a cold spot.
0: Were they, quote, ghost hunting or are they just exploring?
1: They're just breaking into an abandoned building.
0: Okay. They're just exploring. They're yeah. not like.
1: Yeah. But the older boys decide to go back at night.
0: What? The older. This they're only time- like 14.
1: Yeah. Right. This time, it's just the two older boys. So, the original cameraman mm-hmm. and well, camera boy. And the squeaky boys. and Squeaky voice, And then they bring another friend with them. He seems to be a little older. Thank God the little brother didn't go. I was like, when I saw a second video, I was like, please don't tell me that little one went back in at night. So, at night, they explore some other parts of the building that they didn't do during the day video. Again, it was super eerie. So much so that That squeaky voice, loud mouthed teen boy starts to follow the other two boys. And then all of a sudden he just like stops. And he goes, guys, something's telling me we have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like shaggy (laughs) and scooby too. But he was being like so brave throughout everything. And like, you Mm -hmm. know, pigeon poo and like, (laughs) like making jokes and zoom in on the poop in the toilet (laughs) But like all of a sudden he just like stops and he's like, we have to leave. He got so scared. He's like, guys, something is telling me we have to leave. And the room is silent. But you can tell the other two get this sudden urge to like, we have to go. Get the heck out of Dodge. Wow. Like something over, like the joke stopped. They just like stopped. It got, it got, it got real. It got real. it was cute. They take turns being Middle, as they called it, because the person in the back is always the person <laughs> who dies. Apparently, so yes, that is Big Cottonwood Road and the Big Cottonwood Old Mill. And guys, you can drive by and take a look, but don't even try to don't go in. go in. The oh. end. <laughs> All right, Utah, that's what we got for you.
0: That was fun, Cottonwood.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a diss. <laughs>
0: It's not a it is. You
1: two balsam
0: fur. <laughs> you old birch. <laughs> you giant oak. <laughs> Get your asp over here.
1: <laughs> Alrighty. Next week we will be covering the state of Alabama. Alabama. Yes, that's right. I will be doing the true crime and Mama will be doing the paranormal fun stories. Yay. Well, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. You can find more information on this episode and others on our website, which is www.killerhangoverpodcast.wordpress.com. Also,
0: remember our Patreons?
1: Yes, guys. We have extra episodes. that come out early for y'all. You can find the link in the description of this episode. You can find us on on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a follow. Send us your stories. Keep those stories coming in. We love them. And we'll see you next week for Alabama. Or you'll hear us. We won't see you. Okay. I gotta go. This beer was uh, enough for me. Cheers, Mama.
0: Love you, kid.